Hi, everybody. Welcome to Walton Biz Talk, where we have casual conversations about professional things. We're a student-run podcast created by the Business Communication Lab in the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm Ryan Decker. And I'm Jesse Schneeblen. And this season, we're exploring the topic of health. We're going to explore a lot of different interdisciplinary approaches to the subject of health and really see what it is and why it's an important topic to discuss. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Walton Biz Talk. Today, I'm here with Sabra Ivy, who is a student in the Eleanor Mann School of Nursing. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Um, like Ryan said, my name is Sabra, and I'm a senior nursing student in um, Eleanor Mann School of Nursing, but we just call it Emson, and our building we just call Upley. So I'm there like two to three days a week, and then in the hospital um, for another two days in the week. Awesome. So it sounds like nursing school is a little bit unconventional, um, especially for if business students are listening or someone else in, at the University of Arkansas. Can you talk a little bit about what your typical week looks like? Yeah. Um, so on Monday and Tuesday, I have class. Um, and typically we meet in Epley, our building. And then on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, um, we have our clinicals. And those can last anywhere from 10 to 12 hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, these clinicals are then in a hospital probably? Yes, okay. they're in a hospital. Awesome. And you work for that entire 10 to 12 hours straight usually? Yes, we, um, we have uh, for the last hour post-conference where we debrief about the things that we saw, what we learned, we learn from one another, and I really like it because it's like a discussional-based learning, mm-hmm. and it, we, it's really powerful because we remember each other's experiences and we learn from one another. That's awesome. So are you actually assisting with patients at the hospital, like following another nurse around? Yes. Or... Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We're like mini nurses. Okay. So um, technically we can, I don't, okay, we can't do all that they can. We can do all the skills that we've been checked off checked off on. Okay. Um, so that's going to vary by semester. So like the first semester we learned how to insert, insert a Foley catheter, um, which yeah, goes up the urethra <laughs> placed yep. in the bladder, uh-huh. um, for patients who need their bladder drained or they're incontinent, they can't control their, um, bladder. And then we learned, the next semester, how to insert IVs, okay. peripheral IVs, um, you know, the ones that you see in your arm. Sure. Uh, and and so this semester, what did we learn? We learned a lot about mechanical ventilation um, in our critical care okay. clinical. So Interesting. So it doesn't sound like... Um everything's very glamorous, right? So we, we hear these stereotypes mm-hmm. of like nursing where, you know, they're they're very hands-on and they're very helpful and everything, but it's really not a glamorous job, is it? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> and if you're in it just to chase the glory of it, then you're not going to be a good nurse. Right. Um, because what drew me to nursing is I... 
was in this orphanage in Guatemala and I met this sick child, um, just like skin and bones and um, like his teeth rotting out of his mouth and his skin was yellow and, but he had this beautiful infectious laugh. Like I could still hear it in my ears. Um, but when I looked at him, I just felt like my, my insides melt. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but, uh, I was just like, God, why, why does this happen on your earth? And, um, the next day I feel like he answered me when he said, Sabra, look, and I looked and I saw, um, a nurse caring for this child and he was holding his hand um, while his blood was getting filtered his kidneys were failing so his blood was getting filtered and that treatment lasts hours and so his nurse stood by him the whole time holding him um, and caring for the kids and helping him play while the the healthy kids just ran around and um, it was in that moment that I understood um, that Jesus, he talks about himself as being the great physician who came not for the well, but for the sick um, to heal them. And it was like, I saw that in the flesh through a nurse. And um, like, do you think that it's glamorous holding a child's hand for 12 hours? Probably not. But. No, it's not. <laughs> but like this nurse was a servant and he was mm -hmm. humble. And I find that the most healing happens for the patient when you take on that disposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a powerful story. And I think it really brings up the importance of not only nursing, but just being that way throughout life. Yeah. Um, we've talked in previous seasons uh, about servant leadership, mm. which is the idea that um, you you lead for the people that you're leading instead of leading them to something else. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful example of that. And I think nursing really demonstrates that because day in and day out, really long hours, as you've said, yeah. um, you're, you're there focusing on helping the sick, right? Helping mm -hmm. the people that need it. And I think that's, that's a really powerful part of nursing. So we hear a lot about, um, you know, doctors, especially in hospitals, how, especially on uh, TV shows or anything like that, a lot of times the doctors are the ones that um, are the heroes, right? They, they come in, they save the day, and they're especially important, but I think a lot of credit, I think, should go to the nurses as well, because they do a lot of those tasks um, in addition to the doctors. Can you talk about the difference in responsibilities between the doctors and a nurse, uh, for example, at a hospital? Yes. So a doctor is, their role is mainly treatment. So they're going to decide what medical interventions need to take place as far as prescribing medications and um, different procedures that need to happen. Um, like they need to be intubated, mm -hmm. um, which is just a airway, like a tube stuck down the patient's throat so that they can breathe and be hooked up to a machine because they, their lungs aren't strong enough to do it on their own. Okay. Um, they make those kinds of decisions. Um, 
because they have more knowledge in schooling and so I guess more authority to make that kind sure. of call. Um, but nurses are the ones who are at the bedside with the patients every day and they monitor for um, changes in the patient's condition. They are assessing the patient, um, like what is their baseline normal and are they deviating from that? Uh, if they are, then we need to do something, whether that's calling a doctor or, doctor, or there are some things that we can do as nurses, um, like putting more oxygen on them if they're um, becoming short of breath. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're, we have more experience with the patient and a lot of times well doctors spend very little time with the patient mm -hmm. compared to the nurses right. um, and a lot of the information that the doctors use to make their decisions is gathered from what the nurse says okay um, and then they go in and make a quickie assessment mm -hmm. and then they know what to do hopefully um, and so, yeah. So it sounds like nurses, it's really important to have good soft skills or good communication skills and mm -hmm. what they call, I guess, the bedside manner mm -hmm. um, with the patients because they're the ones that are interacting with them the most, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And there is this problem in hospitals of it being really hierarchical. Um, you know, the doctors are at the top and... Mm -hmm. They make all the decisions and, um, and you know, and then it's like nurses and then it's like the patient care assistants and then it's like housekeepers and janitors. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting is research is um, proving that 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 kind of system doesn't create an environment of teamwork it really creates kind of a network of fear and um, fear to speak up when you see that a doctor broke sterile field. Mm -hmm. And um, and so a lot of hospitals are moving towards this approach that's called an interdisciplinary approach, like team approach mm -hmm. of, you know, therapists, doctors, nurses, um, and they'll have like huddles or meetings for each patient and describe the care and collaborate together. Um, and so that's kind of changing and I'm really thankful for that. Um, but it's still, I think in practice, it's it's hard to, to be courageous and um, call out a doctor when you see that they uh, didn't make the best choice. Mm -hmm. And it's not a thing of like you're proving you're better than them or shaming them, um, but it's for the patient. Right. Like what's best for the patient. And I find that like to a good nurse should remove themselves from the equation and just be a patient advocate no matter the cost. 
I like that idea. Yeah. I think the, you know, where it's heading into the more collaborative approach between, you know, the interdisciplinary approach Mm -hmm. uh, is really important. And we've talked about, I know our listeners are probably really tired of hearing about this, but we say interdisciplinary approaches, they're in everything, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really important to see that. And here's another example of it. Like in business too? Yeah, in business and everything, um, especially when we were talking about sustainability, for example, last semester, it's not just there's not just one department or whatever that is focused on sustainability. Everyone should be focused on sustainability mm. um, and integrate it into their own practices. So the inter- interdisciplinary approach is really, uh, really important. And then here we go again. We see it in it's in everything. Yeah, So that's cool. Yeah. And I think we see in. T- so the most experience I have with this is mainly through like TV shows or the limited real life mm. experience I have. Um, but in TV shows, we see a lot where. Um, you know, nurses are able to just go against the, you know, whatever the decision was made before and say like, you know, this is, this is what we need to do, which is really important. And that's what you, like, you should be advocating for the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in real life, it may not happen as frequently, which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. So you kind of talked about what interested you in nursing, um, but what has been like the hardest thing as you've gone through Um, nursing school Mm. that's a good question um or what surprised you the most honestly probably the hardest thing that broke my heart was I had this really idyllic view of nursing because I described to you my initial experience with a nurse and my mom is also a nurse and she Just like, I'll tell this one story about her. Um, She and I ran this half marathon and um, I could have trained harder for sure. (laughs) And I went on spring break right before we ran it, which don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) All right. Um, All listeners, do not go on spring break right before a half marathon. No, don't do that. (laughs) And um, so my, like, we ended we finished it and it it was like triumphant and whoo praise god we did it and it was a big physical feat for us but like I felt horrible my stomach was on fire like my intestines burning and my body was just like aching and sore so much lactic acid in my Mm -hmm. muscles and we got home and my mom was like, what do you need? What do you need? Like, I'll, I'll draw you a bath. And she, like, drew me a bath and used all the hot water <laughs> on me. And then she takes a cold shower. And she's, like, a 50-year-old woman. And I'm this, you know, young, young woman. And um, so it was probably way harder on her body than it was me. And she just, like, doesn't even consider herself. And I think that's, that was the nursing, the nurse that I saw in her. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I had this view of like, that's what a nurse is like, wow. And then going into clinical and, and, um, just seeing all of the flaws in the healthcare system Mm -hmm. and, that like insurance is a nightmare and 
um, like, I remember, um, yeah, just taking care of a patient with syphilis. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what in the world? This, this has been a curable disease for, I don't know, a century maybe? Yeah, many and, years. Yeah, and so, but because of he couldn't afford to get treatment mm-hmm. in America, that was like really sobering and really heartbreaking. And also just to work um, with nurses who are really burnt out and um and some of the things that they say to patients or behind patients back or to me or other nursing students um there's a lot of like gossip mm. and um i get it in any workplace but i think i i have a theory that that's exacerbated in stressful uh occupations mm-hmm. as kind of a way to cope and it was just like i it was so disheartening for me and um and just yeah that was probably the hardest thing right um because it made me question if i want to be a nurse or not mm-hmm. um because i lost sight of what it is to be a nurse because of all of the the brokenness and the flaws right yeah and that's something where um, especially in in stressful situations it's going to be a lot harder to um, you know keep that mindset right the the mindset that you had at the beginning like you know 100% for the patient always advocate Mm -hmm. for the patient um, never do anything to harm or uh, hurt them or anything like that um, but especially when you're working 12 hours a day right. for days on end, yeah. um, when the stress builds up, it's it's hard to, you know, always keep that mentality. It is. Yeah. So with nursing, I know you work long hours and everything like that. Is there a, shir- a shortage of nurses um, or is it just that's the way the profession is organized where you need to spend um, like 12 hours a day? No, there's a huge nursing shortage. Um, in more regions, more so in certain regions of the country than others, um, there's also, I learned this in one of my clinicals, there's a problem, um, it's really hard to staff a unit appropriately Hmm. because a lot of, uh, the staffing is based on the patient population, which fluctuates throughout the year. And so I don't remember what it is exactly, but just take, for instance, uh, there. Oh, okay. Well, people tend to get sicker in the wintertime. Right. And so you have more patients, a larger volume of patients. So therefore you need more staff. And then in the summertime, you know, people are good. They're outside. They're healthy. Um, you have a lower volume of patients and so you don't need as much staff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what ends up happening is people get sent home, um, because they're not needed. So, and then they're not getting their hours. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really a challenge to, 
to appropriately uh, get enough nurses. But in general, yes, there is a shortage. Yeah, because I'm sure it's it's hard to bring on nurses part-time, like mm -hmm. in the winter or anything when you need it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to find that balance, I'm sure, between, yeah. between the two seasons. That's interesting. Hmm. So I know you've studied abroad in Mexico, correct? And yes. that was with the nursing program? Um, actually, no. Okay. It was with the um, Spanish department. Oh, cool. And they do a program with a school in Puebla, Mexico. Um, and they have different... Uh, um, pathways that you can choose like okay. there's engineering education um medical i guess medicine and then um just spanish immersion okay and so uh, and I, I think you can do business too if i didn't already say it but yeah so i picked the medical pathway mm -hmm. and um it was really actually more like when we got there, because um, we had clinicals in a local hospital, uh, they they had us wear the same uniforms as the medical residents. Oh, wow. And so, like, my friends and I were being called doctor, doctora, <laughs> and we were, like, you know, undergrad, um, second and third year of some of them were biology major and I was a nursing major and so mm -hmm. we were like whoa no <laughs> no 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 not yet no. um but yeah that was probably not that was very confusing mm -hmm. um for the patients and everyone in the hospital <laughs> uh yeah so I spent two weeks in the emergency department and then two weeks in the internal medicine okay. unit Interesting. So the differences between internal medicine and like the emergency, I'm assuming that's like the ER. Yes. Like that? Okay. Yeah. What are the differences there in nursing, but just in general as well? Um, so emergency is probably what you would imagine it is. Um, there's different levels um, that emergency centers can accept patients okay. based on their the severity of their trauma or mm -hmm. illness. And that's called triage, right? Or is that kind of the system that so, determines that? Yeah, triage is um, when a patient arrives, they are there's someone, a nurse or doctor, who is determining, like, okay, um, they're just prioritizing okay. which patients need to be seen first based on the, the severity of their condition. Okay. Um, but the trauma level centers, they are um, based on a hospital's resources. Um, and it's different in countries. I don't even remember how Mexico did it. But um, like if you're a trauma level one hospital, emergency department, for instance, you can um, accept patients with any kind of trauma okay. versus like a level three, then um, you're going to have to ship patients to a higher level okay. uh, trauma center. Gotcha. And so I think mine was like 
the second one, like the one below. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they just emergency department just stabilizes the patient. That's right. all they do. Okay. Stabilize it. And some units would say they just band-aid. They just put a <laughs> band-aid on. Um, and then the internal medicine, it was like um, where patients would go if their condition was really complicated and the doctors didn't necessarily know what was going on. So it's kind of like a puzzle they have to figure out. Okay. Um, and a lot of them were post-surgical patients um, or had an acute infection, um, something like that. But what was really interesting about, okay, I, not interesting is kind of a big word, but what was I guess sad and um, a little heartbreaking about being in the emergency department was almost all of the patients that I saw had um, kidney failure mm. or diabetes or both. They're like best friends. They hmm. go together um, because yeah. And so, and the patients would be like 40s, 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. which we have those chronic illnesses here in the states that we see a lot of older patients suffer from. But the patients here are like 60, 70, 80 right. before older. these um, chronic conditions start to catch up with them. And a lot of like these particular um, illnesses are based on, I mean, there's like a little bit of a genetic component, but it really, a lot of it is based off of lifestyle Hmm. um, choices, like diet, exercise. Um, And I saw that in, well, the reason why there's so many people dying of that in Mexico and um, at such a young age is because like um, tacos and mm-hmm. um, sodas are really cheap, um, right. like a dollar. And so, um, you know, a Mexican would be working and then if they need a lunch break, they just go to the street and buy street food or a soda. And it's so readily available. Oh, my gosh. And there's so much bread. (laughs) Bread and, like, sweet bread. It's so cheap. Like, 25 cents for a roll. Wow. Yes. And so it's so readily available. um, And there's not much regulations or maybe any, I don't know, Mm -hmm. um, on food like there is here. And um, also there's... Not a lot of government funding for public health education. Okay. Um, like, I was rounding with the infectious disease doctor one day, and there was this woman who just got diagnosed with HIV, and he asked her, do you know what HIV is? And she said no. Wow. And it's like, everyone here... And the states know what it knows what it is, mm-hmm. 
might have variant levels of education on it, but I mean, that was like really eye-opening. Yeah, that's really, I'm sure, I mean, it happens here too, but to be diagnosed with something that you know nothing about, I'm sure is very scary. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's one of the things with education. I'm sure it could be better here in the U.S. as mm -hmm. well. Uh, my sister's studying public health right now, and I, yeah. I've heard her talk about that. But um, we have it good, I guess, compared to a lot of different countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I saw um, the blessing of my education here, and I saw how excellent it was. And um, even that a lot of the things that they teach us is um, evidence-based practice, um, which is basically anything that you do has to be backed by research. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the things that they did in Mexico wasn't like that. And um, I also saw that they have a, a significant lack of resources. Mm -hmm. Like um, I went to start an IV on a patient and I was wearing gloves and one of the medical residents asked me, why are you wearing gloves? That patient doesn't have HIV or a blood-borne illness. Wow. And so they don't even um, wear gloves unless the patient they know the patient has a blood-borne illness. So Interesting. To wow. save resources. Huh. Yeah. Um, so that was eye-opening. Um, and I, I learned a lot about... Um, healthcare in Mexico and a lot of the the issues or the good things about it. Um, but I I also just felt afterwards that like okay I can't just just be like oh yeah I've got it so good in the states we've got it so good um, and then not do anything right with my excellent education, not use it to bless those who don't have as much resources or um, as much access. And so, um, yeah, that's a challenge that I would like to issue to everyone listening is um, how are you going to use your education to benefit those who don't have the opportunity the same opportunities as you and um, I just think that like if we have the knowledge of what's happening in other countries or in, even in places um, in our country and and we just study like you know what's happening there or how terrible it is there and then we do nothing about it like is that is that what our education affords right. us? It's like, what is it for then? Yeah, yeah, you know, is it is it really an honor to have an education then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is to not take the opportunities we have for granted, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're, we're very lucky to have this opportunity, especially if we attend the University of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. It's a great education. Yeah. Um, no matter what you're studying, it can be used to help others in some way. So I think that's a really, that's a great challenge. And I definitely second that challenge to all the listeners Yeah. Um, to make sure to whatever you're doing, make sure that it helps others in some way. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So when you were in Mexico, do you know any Spanish? Yes. Okay. So were you able to communicate with the patients and uh, things like that? Um, 
Yes, at a very limited level. Okay. I could communicate with the patients way better than I could with the doctors. Sure. Because, um, I mean, even in English, medical terminology is like a new language. Right. And I haven't even, you know, I can be even yesterday, like sitting in getting patient report and they're talking and using all these abbreviations and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I didn't catch any of that. Yep. And so I'm still learning, but, um, yeah, I didn't pick up all that much of yeah. what the doctor <laughs> said. I mean, a little bit, but. Sure. But yeah, with communicating with the patient, did you find it was um, challenging to really connect with them since there was a somewhat of a language barrier? Did you find it actually pretty rewarding? Um, something that, that made me sad and thankful was any time that I spoke with a patient, um, and just asked them how they're doing, how they're feeling, they were surprised. Interesting. (laughs) Um, because that's another difference, um, is that doctors don't really... For the, not all of them, but for the most part, um, there's not this culture of like uh, speaking kindly mm-hmm. to patients because um, they see it just as like an oversight, like they don't need to. Um, and they have the also the doctor to patient ratio there is way higher so or lower yeah um so there could be for instance like one doctor to 100 patients wow um whereas here it's it's not like that significant Mm -hmm. and um also i don't think there's any like regulating government or regulating body that is like um that is holding the hospitals accountable to how they treat patients. Sure. Like, but here, there's patient satisfaction scores that the hospitals are responsible for maintaining. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a doctor that's just, like, going through with horrible bedside manner, you know, doesn't care at all about um, how he speaks to a patient, uh, then the patient can complain and they can get lower satisfaction scores and that looks bad on the hospital and I'm pretty sure it affects their funding. Sure. And so like, I think it's more of an issue of money, Mm -hmm. not necessarily that Mexicans are less kind than Americans. Um, And time, I'm sure. And time, exactly. If it's a hundred patients to one doctor, they probably don't have the time needed to connect with each patient. Exactly. It's time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I found that patients were really grateful whenever I communicated with them and they wanted to help me with my Spanish <laughs> and That's awesome. they enjoyed my visits with them. And so, no, it wasn't really hard to connect with them. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a really important part is that um, that connection is a, it sounds like it's a very integral part of nursing, right? learning about the patient, learning, um, you know, what's going on with them medically, but also just as a person. Yeah. So I think that's really awesome. 
So obviously you've had a lot of great experiences uh, in nursing school and your trips abroad and things mm -hmm. like that. What are the next steps for you? So you're a senior, you're about to graduate. Mm -hmm. What what do you, um, what are your career goals? Oh gosh. <laughs> I usually say God only knows. Yeah. Because uh, he really does. And I've just been trusting him to lead me. Um, but I also believe that he... He gives each and every person specific desires mm -hmm. um, that are unique to them, that he wants them to like own and really realize who he created them to be. And so I'm just trying to look at what, what are those things sure. in my life. And, um, geez, I feel like it's really hard to narrow down a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but I applied to some local hospitals okay. um, and just really any place that um, piques my interest, mm -hmm. random place in Arizona. And, nice. Um, but I, I really think that um, when... When I think of people who are victims of war um, or in disaster-riddled areas and they have absolutely no way to help themselves um, or people with less access to health care, um, that those are the things that really stir my heart and I really want to, like I said, use my education to help those people. Um, and I love traveling. I love different cultures. And um, not saying that mine is greater and I have so much to bring to other cultures or countries, but it's like an exchange. Exactly. Um, we get to learn from one another, and it's just it's such a great joy for me to do that. And so I think long-term, I do want to work in areas of war and provide medical relief. And so there's this organization, Frontier Alliance International, um, that they, they do that in, they operate in the Middle East through partnering with local um, clinics and professionals mm -hmm. and um, just like empowering them uh, to serve their brothers and sisters, their community. And so I'm also talking with them and going to ask like, what do I have to do to work with you or, mm -hmm. or um, even what, what did you do to get here? Right. And I don't know, maybe... I don't know, maybe one day the Lord wants me to start something like that. Yeah, that would be awesome. In a place where no one else has um, has been before. That's like called pioneering. Mm -hmm. And uh, that word has been on my mind a lot this semester. Is what, what does it mean to be a pioneer? And if it's what I'm supposed to do, then how do I realize that? Um, right. And so I'm just trying to trying to act without fear and 
that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I think you definitely have a great, uh, your motivation is great. Um, I can tell that you really want to help people um, in every way you can. And I think nursing gives you a great way to do that. Right. So I wish you the best of luck with everything in your future career. I know you will do great things. And thank you for speaking with me today. This was, this was very insightful. I learned a lot about nursing. Thank you. Um, and also just about healthcare and nursing in general. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome.